want you to take your Bibles this morning and turn with me to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. We began to see last week in this passage that the gospel is a message to be believed. The gospel is a message to be believed. It's not enough to just simply have head knowledge about Jesus Christ. There needs to come a time in our lives when we personally place our trust in Him as our Savior. And I hope that you have done that. If you haven't done that, that this morning I invite you to let this be the day of your salvation. To place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. To receive the salvation that Christ offers. That Jesus Christ came to this earth and He died and He rose again. And He offers that salvation to us freely when we believe in Jesus Christ. And whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, the Bible says, shall be saved. Many of us have experienced that. I think probably most of us would testify that there was a time in our life, not when we joined the church or not just when we were, when we were baptized, but when we trusted in Jesus. But the gospel is more than just simply something that we believe The gospel is a mission that we are to fulfill. The gospel is a task for us. It is a a commission that has been given to us by Christ. You know the great commission. Go ye therefore into all the world and preach the gospel, baptizing them that believe and teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded. And let me just throw this in. This This doesn't cost you a dime. This is free of charge for being here on a wet, wet Sunday. But all things whatsoever God commanded is not limited to just the gospel message. Jesus gave us many things that we are to teach and we are to understand. And so part of that commission is for us to fulfill or to experience the message of the gospel. And we'll look at that in some weeks to come when we get down further, that it's the power of God unto salvation, that God's power at work in our life doesn't just save us from sin and send us on our way to heaven. It powerfully, radically changes how we live in this life. But I want you to see this morning some important truths. We're going to begin reading in verse 7. We're going to read several of these verses. But I want you to see this mission that God has given to us, this mission that is to be fulfilled. Begin with me, if you will, in verse 7. Paul has introduced himself. He has talked about the gospel. And he says, I'm writing to all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, as I finish reading from verse 8 down through verse 15, I want you to look and note the times that Paul refers to the gospel. Now, he may not use necessarily just the word gospel, but he'll speak about their faith and the common faith that we have. For I thank my God, verse 8, through Jesus Christ for you all, that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making request, if by any means now at length I might have a prosperous journey By the will of God to come to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end, or to the purpose, that you may be established. That is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. Now, I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purposed to come to you, 
but was let are hindered hitherto, that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. Paul has traveled around the world, around the Mediterranean world. Paul has preached the gospel. Paul has established churches. Paul has been the minister of the gospel to the Jew first, but also to the Greek. He is the one who has said that the gospel is to go to all people. He has taken the gospel, and he has proclaimed it in many places. But one of the places that he's not been, and one of the places that he really wants to go, is the city of Rome. There is a church there that he is writing to. This is not one of the churches that Paul established. These are not believers that Paul has been instrumental in their salvation. These are those probably that people that got saved on the day of Pentecost when they returned to their hometown and their home city of Rome began to preach the gospel. And there's a church there. And this church is established and Paul says, look, I want to come to where you are. I have prayed and I'm asking God so that I can come and serve where you are and minister to you in a way that will be beneficial to you and to me. I love that Paul's desire for service was not just to serve and minister to others and meet those needs. Paul's purpose and Paul's desire was not self-centered, but he knew that as he served, as he served them, it would benefit them, but it would also be a blessing to him as well. The gospel is a mission that has been given to us that every one of us is to fulfill. Now, immediately, people will begin to say a couple of things. Some will say, well, you know, I'm not comfortable sharing the gospel. Proselytizing just isn't my bag. (laughs) Proselytizing just isn't my thing. That's just not what I do. I'm not a pushy kind of person. They have created some kind of idea about sharing the gospel, and they've identified this. This is what it looks like. I'm not that way. Therefore, I can't be obedient to the task that God has given to me. There are others who will say, well, you know, I, I don't have the skills. I don't have the ability. Again, we've, we've pigeonholed, we've boxed a few things in together that this is what it looks like to be faithful to this, obe- to this command, to the task that God has given to us. Let me ask you this morning, how many believers are to be, fo- are to be engaged in sharing the gospel? Some are all. All. Would God give us a command that we somehow are incapable of obeying? That's not the gracious God that we serve. Whatever God calls us to, he will empower and enable us to do it. And he has given to us what we need. The problem is, is that we miss the fact that in addition, as part of sharing the gospel, there are needs and tasks that we can all be involved in. All of us have been given gifts and abilities and skills to use and knowledge and personality to use in various ways. How many of us know this morning that every person in the body of Christ does not have the same kind of personality? Three of you? Four of you? How many of you know that there's some people that are what we call extroverts? And all the extroverts raise their hand. Yeah, yeah, that's me. I didn't tell you to raise your hand. I said, I saw your hand. (laughs) And all the introverts are hoping, I hope he doesn't ask me to raise my hand. 
Can God use extroverts? Sure he can. Can he use introverts? Yes, he can. And there's a whole range. If you know, there's a whole range of everything in between. Can, y'all, can God use talkative people? And that's not an extrovert-introvert thing, but can God use talkative people? Can, you, can God use quiet people? Sure he can. Why? Because we're all part of the body of Christ. And Paul said that one part of the body can't look at the other part and say, well, you're not important because you're not the eye. And this part of the body can't say, well, I'm not important because I'm not the ear. Every part of the body is essential. Every part is needed. And God has an opportunity. God has a way for every single one of us to be involved in working, in the, doing the work that he is doing in the lives of those around us. I want you to see quickly three things. And then after the third, I want to share with you an opportunity, a a vision that we have for taking those who desire to serve and yet haven't found their place to do so, or some who are already serving, and finding and connecting them with the needs of those around us. Not merely to do good works. Not merely to get busier but to strategically and purposefully and intentionally engage in the lives of those around us to open up the opportunity for the gospel. Notice what Paul says. I want you to see three ways that we can serve others in the gospel. The first is we can graciously affirm the work that God is doing in the lives of others. Watch for it and affirm it. Look at verse 8. I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. Everywhere Paul's going, he says he's hearing. Have you heard about those Christians in Rome? Have you heard about their faith? Man, they're living in a tough place. Many of them are poor. Many of them are servants. Many of them are uneducated. And they're, they're living in tough. They're right in the seat of the empire. They're right at the heart of where persecution will begin just decades later. And they're in a tough place. Have you heard about their faith? And he says, I'm hearing about this everywhere, and I thank God for it. I want you to know that. When we look around us and we see people that God is at work in their life, whether it's a neighbor or a co-worker or whether it's our family member, I love when parents and grandparents see God at work in the life of their children, their students, and they acknowledge that and they affirm that and they brag on that, not not to boast in them and not to give them the big head, but for them to understand, look, this is God at work in your life. We can look around us. We can see brothers and sisters in Christ in our church. And when we see God at work in their life, we need to affirm that. Paul says, look, I'm excited to hear that God is at work in the church in Rome. Paul doesn't say, hey, you guys are doing pretty good. But let me tell you about that church I started over in Ephesus. Paul's not... Paul's not bragging on the work he's done. Paul doesn't care that he didn't start the church. He doesn't care that he didn't lead them to the Lord. He's just glad to hear about God at work in the life of his people. Do you rejoice with those around you that God is at work? Watch for it and affirm it. I thank my God through Jesus Christ that your faith is spoken of. There's a testimony that they have. Verse 9 We can engage by faithfully praying for God's work in the lives of others. To pray for God to be at work. Notice what he says. God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son. That without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers. Well, I'll tell you what. If you read through the New Testament, you know that Paul had an extensive prayer list. 
He writes these letters and he says, I'm praying for you always. What a blessing. I, Paul, would, Paul didn't write that just as a catchphrase. A lot of times we'll say, tell somebody, hey, I'm praying for you. Well, you know, make sure that if you say you're praying for them, pray for that person. And Paul says frequently, I pray for you. In my prayers, I make mention of you always. And he's praying for those at Rome. Why? Because he knows that God is at work in their life. And he knows the challenges they're going to face. And he knows that God doesn't always work in people's lives in easy ways. In fact, when Paul finally does get to Rome, when God finally answers the prayer that he is praying, you know how Paul gets to Rome? Paul first is arrested in Jerusalem. And then he sits in a prison cell for a couple of years, waiting on trial. And then he gets put on a ship to take a Mediterranean cruise. I'll guarantee you it wasn't like any Mediterranean cruise any of us want to go on. I remember a couple years ago when the cruise ship came back and everybody was sick and the place was a mess and everybody couldn't wait to get off that ship. That's the kind of cruise Paul was on. And then he gets in a storm for about two weeks so that all hope is lost and the ship wrecks and they have to swim to shore holding to pieces of the wreck and he gets on shore and he gets bitten by a snake. Let me tell you that my mission trip would have ended right there. It wouldn't have had to end with God healing me. I, don't, I mean, that's great that God healed him, but if I'd have seen a snake. Our missionaries send us pictures back of the th- places they go, and there's p- big snakes crawling through their house. I just say, God bless you. God bless you. <laughs> None of that for me. I mean, God, I'll go wherever you want me to go, but I'm, I'm glad I'm in done. <laughs> we got enough snakes around, but... Paul's bitten by a snake. Paul finally gets to Rome to finally have the fulfillment of this. And how did God work in his life? God worked in his life through adverse circumstances. When we're praying for God's work in someone else's life, that is not simply just saying God bless them or God heal them or God do good for them or God get them out of the situation. It's praying, God, help them to get out of this situation what you've put in for, it for them. It's praying that they will get what God wants, out of, wants them to experience out of it. To pray for others. And Paul is saying, look, I'm praying for you. I'm praying God is at work, and I'm praying that that work will continue. And he says with the same assurance that he says to the church at Philippi, he who began a good work in you will continue it until the day of redemption. Aren't you glad for that promise? Have you ever been a time in your life when you knew, you knew by faith that God was at work in your life, but you just didn't see it? And you have to claim that promise. You have to say, God, you began a good work, and I know that you're going to continue it. I know that you're at work right now. And when we look at the lives of those around us, when we look at our children and our grandchildren and our family members and the people that we're working with and the people that we've witnessed to and the people that we're ministering to, and we, we see their lives, we have to trust that God is at work in their life. And so Paul says we can pray for that work. He says, I am praying. We graciously affirm what God is doing. We faithfully pray for what God is doing. But the, prime, the, the large portion of this text that Paul will say is that he is going to personally engage in God's work in their life. This is what I want you to see. 
Because it's one thing for me to pray for my neighbor. It's one thing for me to see God at work in the life of my neighbor and me to affirm that and say, boy, that's, I'm so glad to see what God is doing. It's another thing altogether for me to personally engage in that work, whether it's sharing the gospel, whether it's meeting a personal need, a physical need, an emotional need, a spiritual need, whether it's me inviting them to church to hear the gospel. Whatever it might be, it's me actually doing something. Look what Paul says. He says, I make request if by any means now at length I might have a prosperous journey. <laughs> I love that Paul prays for a prosperous journey. And then I think about the journey that he got, the shipwreck. I pray for a prosperous journey by the will of God to come to you because I long to see you. Look at this, why? So that I can say I've been to Rome? So I can check that off my bucket list? No, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift. Paul wants to come, and in his service and in his ministry to the church at Rome and to the people of Rome, he wants to impart some spiritual thing that is going to help them. He wants them to grow in Christ. He wants them to develop in Christ. He wants them to be stable in Christ. He wants to benefit them spiritually. He wants to be a part of the work that God has already begun in the city of Rome. Notice that he says, that is, that I may be comforted or encouraged together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. You know, the beautiful thing about serving, being a part of the work that God is doing, is that it is not just beneficial to the person served. It is encouraging, it is comforting to the person who does the service. Do you know that one of the best ways when you're discouraged one of the best ways to get your mind off your problems is to engage in serving, meeting the needs of others, to focus on doing for others. That is what Paul is saying. He said, I want to come and I want to be encouraged by our mutual faith, by the work that God is doing in our lives. One of the ways that I want to encourage us and I want to let you give you some of the details this morning is something that we've mentioned before that is our, our core groups or our core strategy. The core that I'll be talking about is, uh, and I'll, I'll tell you more about what this means in just a moment, but it's the central outreach, regional engagement. Service is an important part of our development in Christ, being engaged in the work that God is doing in the lives of those around us, our church, our family, in our community. Now, I know that there are many of you, and I'm thankful for this. I'm so glad for many that are already engaged in service. You're already ministering. Some of you are serving in ministries in our church. Some of you are serving in organizations and, and um, outreach programs and um, charities within our, our community. I'm grateful for that. I'm, I'm so glad for that. That's a way for us to engage our city. But for many, there are many people who don't have the time or the commitment or the opportunity. They have a desire to serve others. They want to be engaged in what God is doing. They want to be engaged in gospel ministry and gospel outreach, but they simply don't have the opportunity. If they have the opportunity, boy, they're quick to jump on board. They're quick to be a part. 
They're quick to realize, hey, there is something that I can do. They're, they're maybe like one of those that I talked about at the beginning that have this idea of what it looks like and they see that idea and they see themselves and that's not me. How can I possibly do this? Our goal with CORE is to engage those who have a desire to serve with those that need to be served. It's to have as many of our church family as possible doing as much ministry as possible for as many people in our community as possible. The core, the central, it's, our, it's a ministry of our church. It's a reflection of our church. It is our church in the community. Do we understand that the church is a gathering, the church is an assembling, but the church is also a scattering? It's when we go outside these walls. And there's a need for us to engage with those outside our walls and not just say, I'm a Christian because I come to church. But it's us being the church as we go out. It's outreach. It's being local gospel hands. It's leaving local handprints. Local handprints, global fingerprints. It's us being local hands, serving and ministering in our community, working where we are, leaving fingerprints, not just here but around the world. The regional, we'll talk about that in just a moment, but it's the communities within our area. It's right now six of these that I'll show you in just a moment, but it's six regions that cover our entire area. Eventually, we may have more than that as, as folks are become involved and we have more needs. Let me tell you, there are plenty of needs in our area. There are plenty of people who need to experience the love of Christ and the grace of Christ through his people. And engagement, it's gospel witness through service. It is modeling the gospel by the way that we serve. It is sowing seeds of the gospel. You know that not every person gets saved the first time they are around a Christian. Can I get an amen on that? Not every person gets saved the first time they hear the gospel. How many of you heard the gospel more than one time before you got saved? You know, most everybody in here. And so we sow those seeds. And then there will be opportunities also as we're serving for gospel conversations where we share the gospel with someone. But that is our, that is our focus. That is our goal. And this service that we will engage in, it is being local gospel hands. It is being Daniels in our Babylon. It is, being, it is seeking the peace of our city. Seeking to bless you remember Daniel, uh, Jeremiah 29 where Jeremiah said, Seek the peace of your city because in its peace you will have peace. We're not just trying to make our community a better place. We're trying to make our community a place that has experienced the gospel of Jesus Christ. We've divided our area into six different regions. And you'll see these on the, on the screen on the map. Um, these are, now don't, don't think, hey, I live between one of those gaps so I'm, he's not talking about me, okay? This is, this is general. And if you live along one of the lines, we're not having turf wars. We're not starting gang wars over, over who's serving where and who's... Our goal is for as many people as possible to serve as many as people, um, do as much ministry for as many people as possible. But our six regions, one will range from uh, around the Benton area all the way up to Smithfield, over out in the Lillington area and, and areas west, the city of Dunn, um, here in our Plainview area, to the southeast down toward Clinton and then toward the south, southwest toward Cumberland County and Fayetteville and those areas down there. These are areas where we have church family and regular attenders that are part of our church family. 
How do you be a part of this core group? You live where you live. How many of you live where you live? Can I get to... This is an IQ question this morning. Okay, you live where you live. If you live in that area, then our goal is for each month for there to be an opportunity for you in your area to engage in serving and ministering to your community. There will be varying levels of commitment. Some folks may not be able to come and participate, but they may be able to donate something that's needed for that day. Or they can do a, a, a complimentary ministry to serve and be a part of it. There's many, there'll be many opportunities, but the goal is for any person with any level of skills, you don't have to have carpenter skills to do some of these things. And yes, there'll be some where if you have carpenter skills, there may be opportunities for you to use those. But where we use the gifts and abilities that God has given to us as a church to function as a church body in our communities to serve, to be a blessing to our community, to proclaim the gospel of Christ, to honor Christ, to work together and enjoy the blessed fellowship of serving alongside our brothers and sisters in Christ, and most of all, to bring glory to God. That's, that's our goal. That's our heart. That's our purpose. This is the, the opportunity that we have you say, well, preacher, I'm already, I'm already burned. Look, we're not adding to anyone's burden. We're not, we're not pulling a Rehoboam here and say, look, you think, my, you think Solomon, you think my father was bad. You, ought to see, you haven't seen anything yet. This is for those who have responded, for example, with our spiritual wellness exam that we took several weeks ago. And we heard from so many that said, I'm studying the Bible. I'm growing in that area. I'm worshiping, but I haven't yet found an opportunity, a place to serve and to minister. This is an opportunity to take those who have a desire to serve and a desire to do what Paul is talking about here, to engage, to personally engage in the work that God is doing in our community and to serve and to proclaim the gospel. Let me ask you a question. How many of you was God at work in your life before you got saved? God was already at work. God was, okay. I'll, I'll tell you that whether you raised your hand or not, theologically, God was at work in your life. You might just not have seen it. So are there people in our communities that are not yet in church, that are not yet professing Christ, that God is at work in their life? It stands to reason that there are. So we have the opportunity to be a part of those that we may not even know to be a part of what God is doing. Let me introduce you quickly to our, our regional leaders. We can go to the, our next screen. And guys, if those of you who are serving in our different regions, I know most of you are here this morning. If y'all will just stand right where you are. So folks, if you're living in the Plainview area, um, John Sori is our team leader for there. And he is also um, the Overlord Grand Duke... Um, no, he's, he's, he's leading our entire core ministry, and um, we're thankful for John. Just stay standing, if you will. If you're in the Plainview area, you'll be hearing from John. You'll also be seeing it on our, on our Facebook family page, the information for each region. And also there will be a page on our webpage where you can find the information of what's going on each month in your region and where you can sign up to let folks, let the leaders know that you're, you're going to be there. Um, our Irwin in Lillington is led currently by the illustrious Darren Hughes. Y'all know Pastor Darren. Stay standing just for a moment. Um, Dunn is Todd and Wendy Whittington. I'm not sure if they were able to be here this morning. All right. Um, 
Benson's up to Smithfield. That's a pretty good region up there. Allen and Ann Parker, they're back right over here. All right. And then Clinton, Kevin, and Michelle Perry. And then Cumberland County and regions south, Joe and Katrina Kane. And um, I'm going to ask you to do this. If y'all will, pray for these guys. These guys are going to be our leaders in these areas. And they're going to be helping. They're going to be serving to help those who have a desire to serve connect with those who have a need to serve. Let's give them a good hand. Guys, y'all can sit down. Thank you for your being willing to be a part. Let me just close with a story. I want to tell you about a man named DeMarco. Back in the spring, during our stage one of quarantine, how many of y'all remember that decade or so ago back in March? (laughs) Doesn't it seem like that? God put in my heart a burden because I knew that among those who were were, um, essential workers, that were still serving and working, that needed some appreciation, and that were also facing some unique challenges, were our truck drivers. We have a a number of truck drivers that um, are part of our church family. And not just for them, but for the many that were out on the roads, putting in long hours, and as they always do, but facing some unique set of challenges. As we began to look for how can we, how can we move, how, how can we minister to them, we, we thought about several different ideas and concepts, and it seemed like every door we were trying was just shut, and it just, no, that won't work, and this won't work. And, and so as we began to talk with some of our truckers here in the church, and they, they had some great ideas, and we began to think, well, one of, the, one of the great needs that they had was meals, because the restaurants, as you remember, at the well at that time were all closed, except for the drive throughs And, you know, I'm no truck driver, but driving an 18-wheeler through a, through a drive through I don't like to drive my Honda through a drive through much less a big truck. And so they were saying sometimes it's hard to be able to find a meal. And so we began to work toward how, do we, how can we do that to minister to them, to let them know we appreciate what they're doing to keep things on. Thank God they were keeping toilet paper on the shelves. How would we have ever survived in that great toilet paper shortage of 2020? And so we began to coordinate to have meals prepared, just bags of food with a bottle of water and a snack and a little dessert and taking them to the truck stops in our area. We have three pretty good-sized truck stops in our area. And these places were slam-packed with truckers from all over the country. We began to do that, and over about the next two months, in that period of time, we had nearly 100 people that were involved in some way or the other, either through helping with the ideas of it. Some could not come and pack the lunches or cook the lunches, but they donated cases of bottles of water or boxes of snacks. Some of you and many of you were involved in this. You know who you are and I won't try to name names because I'm sure to forget someone. Many of you were involved in this. Some of you baked cookies. Man, we had cookies coming out our ears. We had so many cookies at one point we had to start finding alternative places to take them to try to use these cookies. Man, some great cookies. But we, every person could do something. No one person did everything. But each person did something. And we had some folks who came and were able to come and pack the lunches. 
And they were able to come every single week. And then there were others that could only come a week or two. And that was great. We needed their help. And our kids, some of our children, handmade thank you notes to the truckers to put in the bags. And our teens, some of our teens did the gospel presentation and they recorded it and we were able to put that in the bag to, to hand to the truckers. And we, we used our church gospel track that has the gospel presentation in it and we were able to put these. And then some came and they weren't able to come and help pack, but they were able to take the food and deliver it to the truckers and hand it to them and just simply say, look, God loves you, we love you, and we appreciate what you're doing. Here's a meal and we just want to bless you with this. For about nine weeks, we did that over about almost 650 meals that we were able to serve. Around 100 people that were involved in one way or another. And that many people that heard the gospel. I want to tell you that I have been involved in a number of ministries over the years. And you occasionally will hear from someone appreciation. Those of you who've served in ministry, you know that sometimes appreciation is, is few and far between. I want to tell you that every single week, every single week, we had multiple thank yous and responses, emails and phone calls and cards from truckers thanking us for something as simple as a meal, something as simple as a a bowl of soup and a sandwich. Now, they didn't get a soup and sandwich every week. I mean, one week we had barbecue. Man, these guys were eating good. I know why they appreciated it. I would have... But they responded with appreciation. And they heard the gospel. This is where DeMarco comes in. We got a call at the office one day. and he, This guy left a message. He was very excited about his bowl of chili and his roll that he got. I think it was a roll maybe that week. And so I called him back. I, I was sitting on my front porch. It was raining outside. And who knows what was going on inside. It was loud and raucous, wild party like there always is at our house. And so I went and sat on the swing on the front porch, and I sat down, and I called him back. He was, had moved on from Dunn. This was a few hours later, and he was headed south. He was somewhere stuck down below, between Savannah and Blackshear, stuck in traffic on I-95. Imagine the chances of that, being stuck in traffic on 95. And so he was really glad to have somebody to talk to, and he, we talked for probably about an hour that afternoon. And he was just, he was blessed to just talk and he was blessed by the fact that somebody cared enough to bring him a bag with some food in it. He was from Minnesota. This was right around the time a lot of the things were beginning to take place, some trouble there, and he was a little uncertain. He said, I knew that I was from up north and he said, I was headed to the south and he said, I wasn't quite sure because that's not my territory and he said... I'm just going to be honest. He said, I grew up in the hood. And he said, I was a little leery of all the white people around me. And he said, I was standing there at my truck and I was cleaning my windows. And he was on his phone talking with his wife. And he said, one of the guys from your church walked up behind me with a bag. I won't, I won't tell you his, his name, but his initials were Jason Bass. <laughs> Jason was helping us deliver the meals that day, and he said, I'm going to tell you, he said, that man almost got squeegeed. (laughs) But he said, I have low blood sugar, and he said, I drove all the way from Minnesota that day, and he said, I hadn't eaten all day because there was no place to stop and get a meal. And he said, I want to tell you that, he said, "I, I have felt like nobody in this world cared. 
I have felt like with all that's going on that, that there wasn't anybody that loved me or cared about me. I had the opportunity to share the gospel with DeMarco that afternoon, and he told me, he said, my grandmother used to go to church, and I've, I heard the gospel when I was young, and he said, this, is, this whole situation has changed my outlook on a lot of things. He said, it's, it's turning my heart back toward God. Now, I, I don't know if DeMarco maybe was already saved and just needed that reminder. I don't know if DeMarco has since, because of the gospel that I got the opportunity to share with him or the gospel that was in that meal, if he trusted Christ. But I hope that one day when I'm standing before God, when I'm in the eternal state, the glory of eternity, that this person walks up to me, this man walks up to me and says, Hey, I'm DeMarco. And if he is there, it will be because of the fingerprints that you left on a meal that someone donated a loaf of bread for us to make a sandwich. And somebody made a, a crock pot of chili for us to put in that bag. And somebody baked a cookie. And one of our children wrote a thank you card. And one of our teens presented the gospel. And the body of Christ, each one doing what each one was capable of doing, no one doing it all engaged personally in God's work in DeMarco's life. That's what God calls us to. That's what we have the opportunity to do, not just at the truck stops for the truckers from Chicago and Arizona and Texas and Washington that we heard from, but for the people that live in our communities. Here's my question for you this morning as I close. Who has God placed in your life? Who has God brought across your path for you to be a part of the work that he is doing in their life. Look for the hard cases around you. Boy, that neighbor, man, they sure are nasty. They sure are mean. That may be the person God's working in their life. Boy, that family member that's really just sort of grating me wrong and I don't know why they're doing what they're doing, that may be the person that God is at work in their life and he's got you there to be a part of that. Who? does God have in your life for you to engage for the gospel? Let's bow for prayer. In every one of our lives, there are DeMarcos. We may not know who they are. We may not know what God is doing. But God has placed needs around us, not just to meet those needs. A well-known pastor in our time said this, God has not called believers to make the world the best possible place from which to die and go to hell. He has called us to reach the sinful, broken world with the eternal saving power of the gospel. Our good works are not just to make this world a better place. Our good works are to model the gospel, to sow the seeds of the gospel, and to open up opportunities to share the gospel. Who does God have for you? This morning in our invitation, let me first say that if you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, I want to invite you to come. You may not know what it's all about, but we can take the Word of God and share with you what it means to know Christ as your Savior. But for those of you who have trusted Christ, think through your community. Think through your workplace. 
Think through your school. Think through your family. And maybe this morning you already see that face that you need to come and pray for. Maybe you need to come and pray as Paul said, Lord, open up the door of opportunity for me. But the needs are all around us. Who will you personally engage? Father, speak to our hearts this morning. Give us a burden for the individuals around us. Give us a burden for our community around us. Give us a burden for our family. Give us a burden for our church, our region, and our world. Speak to us this morning, we pray.